Hello and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Thursday, September the 28th, 2023. I'm Mike Kachopoli. All right, how's everyone doing tonight? How's everyone doing tonight? Still a little bit of buzz going after the second Republican debate yesterday in uh, in Simi Valley, Simi Valley at the Reagan Library. I think one of the reasons why they decided to do that there yesterday is because the the uh, California, I know the California Republican Party, California, but the very strong California Republican Party uh, had their convention also at the same time. They're having it this weekend in Anaheim, same area, basically. So that kind of made sense. People could attend the debate and also the the convention. Uh, you know, California, I was talking about this yesterday at the uh, at the debate watch used to be, you know, they're showing those clips of Reagan in the 80s and California was a uh, solid red back then. And so people are wondering, well, you know, if California was solid red back then. Uh, what happened? Well, I think what happened really, if you think about it, was Bill Clinton, right? Bill Clinton came in and everything changed. California changed to blue. I mean, people were tired, I guess, of Reagan Bush. And Bill Clinton came in and you had the you had the Republican, the moderate Republicans in California saying, oh, here is a moderate Democrat that we can vote for. Right. A moderate Democrat from Arkansas. Not scary. Not a scary big city leftist Democrat. Right. And uh, we can vote for him. And they did. And they've never gone back since. Right. Even through the much less moderate Democrats, they have not gone back. California has gone solidly blue and you can thank or in my case i blame bill clinton and the clintons for that bill clinton really did turn in my opinion there could be other dynamics involved i wasn't living here at the time i was a young guy so i don't know exactly but it would seem to me that's a pretty decent um objective reasoning right is that bill clinton changed california blue and they haven't gone back in over 30 years, right? Will they ever go black? Go back? Well, I don't know. Because if you look at California, when it was Republican, it was pretty solidly Republican, right? Did people think it was going to become a Democrat state? Really, in the 80s, did they think California was soon to become a Democrat stronghold? No, of course not. But it did. So things can, can switch pretty quickly out here, out here, you know, and I was trying to talk about New York, right? And New York State and the way it's much more, it's much less democratic New York. People always think of New York City and they go, oh, New York must be a solid blue state. But it's not. I mean, Lee Zeldin just lost by a few points, right? When was the last time a candidate, was not a Republican only lost by a few points here in California? I mean, they, they get blown out here. So it's upstate New York <clears throat> that is quite red. And very willing to vote for Republican for president or uh, or governor or Senate, but much less so here in California, which is much, much more of a blue stronghold than uh, New York right now. But what changed? I mean, New York was also very blue, right? Up until this past uh, gubernatorial election. Well, well, I mean, look, if you look at it objectively, New York has not really voted for a Republican for president. But they have voted for Republican for governor, right? So, and, and fairly recently is same with Jersey, with Christie, right? They won't vote for Republican for president, but they'll vote for Republican 
for governor. Didn't the Murphy just barely win this time? So it's um, it's a much tighter deal on the East Coast, at least when it comes to the local, those the state elections than out here in California. And I guess the question was, what's going to change that? What's going to change the minds of the people in California to once again vote for a Republican? Now, you would think um, I had spoken to some people and I was like, well, wouldn't rock bottom do it? Haven't they hit rock bottom? And the, the, the man I was talking to, who's actually running for local office here, said, no, they haven't hit rock bottom because there are too many people in places like Hollywood and L.A. or here in San Francisco that are too wealthy, right? There are too many wealthy people in places like L.A. and San Francisco where the crime, the, um, the homelessness, the bad economy doesn't affect them. They're selfish people. It doesn't affect them. They live above it all. So they haven't hit rock bottom. The people who've hit rock bottom here left. Because think about it. If you've hit rock bottom in like uh, West Hollywood or if you've hit rock bottom in a lot of places in L.A. or uh, in San Francisco, you can't live there anymore. So you leave. And who's left? The wealthy people. Okay? The wealthy Democrats who don't feel the homelessness and don't feel the crime and don't feel the socioeconomic problems. And those are the ones who vote for Democrats time and time again. So it's kind of a very frustrating situation here for Republicans. They say, well, how do we how do we break through? How do we go back to the 80s during Reagan and make it a red state? It's a, it's a conundrum wrapped inside a, uh, a riddle because we don't know. I'm not sure how you do that. Which is why people like Gavin Newsom, the hair gel king, are not crying about the people leaving because the people leaving are the ones who would want to vote him out, right? So they leave. And you can, I'm not saying, including, I'm including myself in this, folks. I'm not saying that people should stay here just to suffer so they can vote against Newsom and probably not win anyway. They should leave, and I'll leave very soon. But I'm just saying that Newsom's not crying about that because they know if Mike Chopley leaves, he's not losing a vote. He's losing someone who's going to vote against him. So they're very happy about the exodus, right? Would they be happy if uh, half the people left? No, but half the people aren't going to leave. So if a million out of 40 million leave, they don't care. The 39 million that are left here are mostly going to be Democrats, and they're going to vote for him over and over and over. Still the largest state by far in the country, right? So they don't care. They're not crying about it. They're not because they're getting what they want, the wealthy are above the crime and the homelessness and the socioeconomic problems caused by Democrats. And they know the Democrats know these people are going to continue to vote for them because they're living high off the hog. So wh why should they why should they want change? So this was these are the kinds of conversations I have at these Republican Party events here in San Francisco. It's you look you look at it from a common sense sort of way and you go, yes, people are finally they finally had it. But they haven't because the people who have had it are leaving and the people who haven't had it are staying. So do I think there's any chance in maybe even in my lifetime that California goes back to being Republican state? No, I don't. I don't ever see people in L.A. or San Francisco voting in Republicans in my life. So. 
that's the way I feel about it. And when you say these things at Republican Party events, they they get very anxious. Because, oh, my God, why are, we, why are we running? Why are we doing anything? Well, you have to make your point. You know, you have to make your point. It's always good to be able to say, you can vote the way you want. You're wrong. We're right. Your state is, is shit. Look at the numbers. Look at the statistics. Your, shape, your state is shit. Everyone outside of your state knows it's shit. So have your shit. We're going to leave. That's the way I see it. I don't think it's a very defeatist attitude either. It's one state out of 50. It's one country out of many. And there are a lot of places to go. So I don't see it. I really don't. I, I, I feel bad for the lifelong. Maybe I'm talking about it as someone who comes from the outside. I've only been here. I've been here too long. I've been almost 11 years, which is way too long. It's longer than I've spent in any place in my life other than my hometown city of New York. And I've been on the West Coast now for two decades between here and, and Seattle. I, I, it's too long. And, and so, uh, but I'm an outsider. I'm not a lifelong San Francisco. I'm not someone who was born and raised here. I'm not someone who's lived through the heyday of the 70s and 80s here. That's not me. And I feel bad for those people because they have this affinity for San Francisco, at least for the old San Francisco, and they want to see it come back and they believe it can. And this is the only thing they know and they don't want to leave. So they want to fight for it. And I say, go ahead, go ahead. Maybe you'll prove me wrong. It's hard to do lately. I've been right about basically everything, but that Napoleon line from the movie, I, I, I'm, I'm the first to admit when I'm wrong, but I'm never wrong. <laughs> I think I'll use that line. I'm first to admit I'm wrong when I'm wrong, but I'm never wrong. And I haven't been wrong much lately. And I, I don't think I'll be wrong about this. I don't see California ever have a chance to go back to being a red state. Look, this is what I'll tell you. Obviously, if Trump's the nominee, he'll lose by, you know, 40 points in California. If DeSantis is the nominee, realistically, I don't think he has a chance to win California. But I think he'll do much better than Trump. In fact, I think there's no doubt He'll do much better than Trump in California. It, it, will, will he win it? No. I, I mean, I'd be flabbergasted if he did. But I think he'll come. He'll do better. He'll do a better showing. He'll do the best showing for Republican in a long time. That's what I believe. But realistically, can he win it? I don't think so. I think there's too much of a gap right now, right? I mean, you could whittle away at that a little bit. But right now, there's too much of a gap for Republican to win the presidency in this state. Not going to happen. Um, and a big part of the reason for that is Trump. Trump has poisoned and diseased everyone running with an R next to their name. And that's what I tell people. That's, that's what they don't get. This is why I want to like strangle them, strangle them, because they don't get this. They're like, why can't we win here? And I say, well, a lot of reasons. But most recently, which made it really difficult, is Trump. And yet you support him. So you support the guy who makes it impossible for you to win here. Because everyone with an R next to their name now is seen as being a Trumper by Democrats and by a lot of independents, too. You see? So that's why he has poisoned everyone who runs as a Republican. Everyone who runs as a Republican, the only chance you have to win is to separate yourself from him. And I mean verbally separate yourself from him. You can't be wishy-washy about it. The Republicans that have won recently, most of them have, have verbally separated themselves from him. It's a very clear line between the people who separate themselves from him and the people who don't separate themselves from him. And the people who don't separate themselves, from, especially the ones who were endorsed by him, they always lose. The people who go out there and say, we can't be the party of Trump, they win, okay? 
So once again, I know I say this so often, but that's the winning formula. Are you going to be the party of Trump or are you going to be the party of DeSantis? What are you going to be? The party of Trump or the party of not the party of or not the party of Trump? I won't even say DeSantis. Not the party of Trump. Get rid of Trump. Separate yourself from Trump. What are you going to be? You have to make that decision. You got to make that decision. And when it comes to this primary, the only way you can do that is for voting for DeSantis. You can't even vote for any of the other candidates because that's what Trump is counting on. He's got his strong 20, 25% base. And if the vote splits amongst, that's why he would like to have 30 other candidates, right? Right? That's what he wants. He wants these people. That's part of, that's also part of the reasoning for not being in these debates, right? He wants these other people to get the time. He wants these other people to last longer than maybe they would have if he was more present on that stage, right? So he doesn't like the fact that Asa had to drop out. He's not going to like it if, uh, you know, Christie drops out as much as he hates him or Burgum, who's probably going to be the next one who probably won't be in the next debate. Trump wants as many candidates as possible because it splits the non-Trump vote. So. The only way you're going to get rid of Trump is if you get behind Ron DeSantis and get rid of these other people, which is going to bring me to a column in the New York Post. And this is from Carol Markowitz, who I really like. Uh, In fact, we were all joking around last night because she could be seen in the shot behind the behind the uh, moderators. Whenever they went to the shot of the moderators, there was Carol right behind there. So she was getting thousands of texts, including mine. But she wrote this. Uh, article. There can only be one. One candidate can emerge to challenge Trump for the Republican nomination. One. That was the constant chatter in the audience at the latest Republican presidential primary debate. Who's it going to be? We know who it's not going to be. It's not going to be Vivek Ramaswamy, who's basically running as a Trump surrogate. And despite having a splashy campaign with some poll surging, is currently sitting at 5% nationally with matching numbers in Iowa, New Hampshire. His hello, my fellow Republicans. Uh, I'm sorry, I lost this. These ads pop up. Oh, his hello, my fellow Republicans shtick didn't work. Audiences at home couldn't see, but he annoyingly had his hand up the whole time uh, like it was algebra class. So she was there. So she sh- that this is why Christie, by the way, said, put your hand down, Vivek, because we couldn't see it, but he had his hand up like the whole time, she says, like he was in algebra class. But Vivek's numbers are a good barometer. Anyone polling at or under his level should exit the race. And I'm on record saying that national polls are far less useful than state polls. But for candidates like Chris Christie, the fact that he's polling in double digits in New Hampshire, but at 2% nationally is a tell. He's not going to surge to be able to take on Donald Trump. Doug Burgum, whose supporters shout, Burgum! at the moderators to get a question to him, it's not going to beat Trump, which leaves Nikki Haley and DeSantis, who are presently fairly oppositional directions for the Republican Party. People are still moving to Florida to experience Governor DeSantis's leadership. It wasn't a COVID fluke. My new neighbors from Connecticut sport their DeSantis merch and can't wait to vote for him for president. What he's done in Florida is revolutionary and has been a model for other states. But revolutions are scary. And it's not crazy that some Republican voters want to go back to a Republican model they understand. Nikki Haley represents that model. There are a few moments tonight where the candidates got to really challenge each other, but the ideas really didn't come through. When Tim Scott is attacking Nikki Haley for expensive drapes, voters at home have no idea what he's talking about. 
And when Christie looks into the camera and talks to Trump, it doesn't advance the conversation about what he stands for. Yet he hates Trump now, but where's he been for the last six years? There's a future to consider, and the crowded stage means that the frontrunners angle for time with also rands. Polls aren't everything, but they're already used to whittle down who gets into the, the uh, debates. Lines always get drawn to consider who gets to be in the debate. The next debate should feature some sharper ones. Voters might enjoy a sideshow, but they deserve a debate of real ideas. Let the top two candidates get a real chance to present those ideas to voters. There can only be one, but let's start with two. So Carol's right, and that's what I'm saying. Trump wants more people. It splits the non-Trump vote, right? So this idea she talks about, and that's what I said yesterday. And look, when I showed you, when I when you listen to the poll of Iowa voters after the debate, they thought DeSantis did the best, followed by Haley. I don't think it's a crazy idea to say they will be, other than Donald Trump, the final two, or I should say the final two who have the courage to debate, right? Do you see, it'll be DeSantis and somebody else, right? Because Trump's not going to debate. He'll never in a million years debate DeSantis one-on-one. He won't debate him with all those other people up there. He's not going to debate him alone. So it's going to be DeSantis and somebody else. Is it going to be DeSantis? Like uh, she, she just said it. It's going to be DeSantis and Haley. They're going to be the final two. They're going to be the final two. And she's right. DeSantis represents this kind of revolutionary, although I would argue that he's not a revolutionary conservative. He's a very solid Reagan-like conservative. But I guess revolutionary meaning in a way of not their typical neocon Republican like Nikki Haley is, right? Typical, more standard neocon geopolitical uh, Republican like Nikki Haley, which appeals, as I said, who was I talking to yesterday? Daniel. That appeals, it, it doesn't appeal to me. It doesn't appeal to most of you, but it appeals to many Republican voters in Iowa, especially. They they have some neocon voters. They do. They have some voters who believe that Amer- in American dominance and imperialism and exceptionalism and all that stuff, and they don't think the military is too bloated, and they think we should be there and maybe even have boots on the ground. They, they believe in this stuff, okay? And so they're going to take the side of Nikki Haley, all right? So it's going to be DeSantis and Haley at the end. And what Carol's saying is, the sooner the better. So I just read that the next debate on November 8th will have uh, much higher qualifications. The qualifications will probably eliminate at least Bergam and get it down to what? Six. Maybe even, it might even eliminate someone else, right? Um, And if Chris Christie really doesn't want Donald Trump to win the nomination because he knows, he knows Christie's not dumb. He knows Trump can't win a general election. And Christie doesn't want Biden to win again or Newsom or whoever may be on the Democratic side. He should drop out. He's got a couple of debates under his belt. This last one, he did exactly what he wanted to do. He's in this to go after Trump, and that's what he did. He got the Donald Duck thing in there. Very funny. Quack, quack. Good for you. Now, it might be time for him to start thinking about, as she said, he's only polling at two nationally. So it might be time for him to think about getting out if, and I think he will eventually, but I say the sooner the better. I think he will, when he gets out, he will endorse Ron DeSantis. But I think sooner, the better. In fact, I think almost everyone on that stage, that's the point. As they get out, I think they're all been endorsed Ron DeSantis. All of them. So that's the best thing that should happen, is that they should get out sooner 
rather than later, let this be a two-candidate deal and stop this vote splitting, which is just going to help Donald Trump win. I mean, that this is why Trump, you see, we, we talk about Trump being dumb, but he's he's a he's a Machiavellian kind of dumb. This is why he wasn't mad when when Haley got in. He wasn't mad at anybody except DeSantis, right? Because the only real threat to him actually losing to that person is DeSantis. He likes all these other people being in there. He wants Nikki Haley to challenge DeSantis. He wants even Christie and Vivek. He wants them in there to split the vote. That's why he gave her his blessing. Because she could take some votes away from DeSantis. And give it to him. So that's the the Santos' campaign's deal. They have to get all these people out. The last one they'll be able to get out is is, is Nikki Haley. Um, But you have to start, as Carol said, with all these others. You have to get all these others out as well. And also with the debate process, right? It's so loud with all those people. You really can't talk about issues. Many people don't believe these are real debates. Mm-hmm. They just free for alls, and you get more of a debate when there's only a couple of candidates. So at some point, the 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 RNC, if they don't want to do what the DNC does, and and um, it's a private club, and they can really put the arm on on it and decide who they want. Um which is there's any year they should do this is this year, but they won't. They're not going to do it. That's not their style. They're not the Democrats. They're going to try to let the voters decide. They should, and they could, and I believe they will, up the ante when it comes to how you get in these debates. And that will whittle the people away. That will be in, in a fair way, in a non-rigged way, non-rigged way you know. Um, and... Uh, of course, it could be the Republicans' demise that they're playing this so fairly, you know, and allowing Trump to run. I mean, look, if there was any – I'm for fair primaries. You know I've complained about the Democrats. But if there was any a year <laughs> when the party uh, uh, dons could put the arm on someone to get them out, it would be this year. Because they could easily say, we don't want a, a guy who has under foreign indictments to run. We don't want, we don't believe Menendez should be in, this is how they could take the, the non-hypocritical side of this, be on the high road, the moral road, to say, we don't believe Menendez should be in the Senate. We think he should resign with his two indictments, and we don't want someone with four indictments running. We understand he's not guilty. It doesn't mean, he can't, it doesn't mean we can allow him to run for president in our private primary. I don't even think that's a bad angle. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. This is our club. This is not a general election. This is our club. And we don't want a guy with 91 charges of felonies to be running in our club. We don't want that person to be part of our club. Just the way there are a lot of private social clubs that would not allow someone who's been indicted four times to be in their club, right? This is running for president. So the Republican Party, the RNC would have every right to say, no, run as independent. He probably would. He has the right to do that. But don't run in our club. We don't want you in our club. But they're not doing that. And it could be to their detriment in the end. Um, but what they can do is make it more difficult to get in these primaries, to get in, get in these debates, right? We know Tim Scott 
look, I, I know there are underdogs. I've seen this before. I, I, Obama was a huge underdog, right? I, I understand that. But I will tell you right now, I'll put, I put money on it. Tim Scott's not going to be the nominee. Mike Pence isn't going to be the nominee. Chris Christie isn't. Vivek isn't. And Bergam isn't, as Carol said. As Carol said. There are basically, I guess, three realistic people to be the nominee. Trump, DeSantis, and Haley. That's it. Those are the only that have any kind of realm of possibility whatsoever of being the nominee. So stop playing this game. Let the ones who have the, the real chance of winning debate. And all you have to do is raise the stakes and say you have to get a certain amount of, you know, uh, separate contributions, individual contributions, or a certain percentage in uh, polls to take place in the debate. You can still run, but you can't debate. So that's what they need to start doing. Because yesterday's debate, the more I thought about it, was a disaster. Not for Ron. He was great. I still I believe that that was one of the greatest um, performances in, in, in the history of debates by DeSantis last night. And the way he upped his game in one month's time was incredible. But the format was horrid, horrid. I mean, three moderators, and they couldn't control it. Uh, they were yelling over each other. It took them a half hour to get to DeSantis to ask a question. It, they would ask a question, only let two of them answer a certain question, then go on to another question. It was a disaster. There was so much screaming over each other, I couldn't hear it. Many people couldn't hear it. Um, Vivek had his arm up the whole time, and the only person who told him to put it down was Christie. The moderator should have told him to put his hand down. How many of these people do you need? Like I said, you need 30 of them? <laughs> I mean, it's, why, why have three moderators if you can't control seven candidates? So it was a disaster. It was a really bad job by Fox Business. I like Stuart Varney. I really do. I think he's a good guy. I think he's funny. I think he's smart. I, I, I don't know who ran this thing, but it was a total disaster. And the, the two women were horrible. The, I'm sorry, the one from Univision, I didn't understand what the fuck she was saying. I didn't. I had no clue. She, 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 should, have been, she should have been speaking in Spanish, and we could have had subtitles. It would have been better. And, uh, you know, the other one there, she's a airhead, Perino. So uh, I, it, was, it was really bad. It was really bad. And that is too bad because Ron was so good. But hopefully the next debate, hopefully the format will be better. Hopefully they'll have more control. They haven't really decided yet who's going who's gonna to do it. But these things don't help. Not that they would ever do it, but they don't help Fox get like a general election debate, right? There are only three of them, and Fox doesn't ever get them, right? So, but this doesn't help the situation. You know, when you, when you run debates like this, the uh, committee, what is it, the League of Women Voters, whoever they are, who decide these things will never let Fox uh, host a uh, a general election debate because they just they don't know what they're doing they don't do a good enough job of controlling it so um so i i think when we see these debates right we wonder exactly how much effect they have and they usually have some kind of a bump right the person who has seen as the winner who gets the critical mass as being the winner usually gets a bump right and the question is how big and how long does it last, right? And so we're having these debates every four or five weeks until, until through, throughout the, the election cycle, you know, it can be a bump that can 
have momentum and continue on, or you can pick up on that, or it can just stop. You know, we don't know. But I think that the fact is that I think it's important because I truly believe that when you look at a loser, people ask who the loser of this was. And once again, I think it's obvious that the loser of that debate was the fat fuck at home stuffing potato chips into his mouth instead of being on that debate stage. That's the loser of this debate. No one on that stage is the loser to me. The loser is the one who's afraid to debate. It's obvious. It's obvious to anyone who's not in that psycho cult of his, right? Um, it's, it's truly amazing the, the excuses they make for him not being there. I mean, the same guy. I mean, this is the, I'm not crazy, right? This is the same guy who was going after Hillary Clinton for hiding, going after Joe Biden for being in his basement, going after Joe Biden for canceling a debate during COVID, saying he's not he's afraid to debate. COVID saved him from debating. And then he doesn't debate and he hides in his basement, isn't even campaigning. So he's basically doing exactly what he criticized Biden for doing in 2020. Yet all those supporters who said what a genius he was to criticize Biden and what a loser Biden was, now they're coming up with a million different fucking excuses why it's okay for him not to debate because they're in a cult. There's no, no reason to go through the excuses. I could. It's stupid. It's, it's idiotic. It's psychotic to even for me to verbalize them. They're a cult. They're a cult. That's it. So their cult leader can do whatever they want, he wants, and if he told them to drink the Kool-Aid and lay down, they would do it. If he told them to put on those sneakers and jogging pants and go in their bunk beds and lie down and we're going to shoot into outer space, they would do it. They would do it. If he told them to get holed up in that barn in the middle of Texas and get your guns out and when the military comes in, they would do it. This is how fucking sick they are. It's a cult, period. So to talk about their reasoning is, is going into their psycho world that I don't really want to go into. But that's it. That's what they do. But we know there is no, for the normal people out there, there is no excuse for him not to debate. We never even heard of it before. The only thing we've heard of is an incumbent not debating, like Biden. And even that's wrong in this case because of who he is and how old he is and how hated he is among Democrats even. So, or hated among the, 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 the voting population as a whole and also a big chunk of Democrats don't like him. He should be debating. He should be this time even though, in general, they don't. But I believe Carter debated Kennedy, right? The other Kennedy, the one, the, the as my, my old uh, boss, Bob Grant, used to call him, the, the swimmer, the swimmer, that, that Kennedy. Even, even, I believe Carter debated him, didn't he? Unless I'm wrong. I don't think I am. I think there was some primary debates there when Carter was the incumbent. But Biden, but Trump is not the incumbent. His cult might think he's the incumbent because in his cult's fucked up head, he won the election, so he's the incumbent. But he's not an incumbent. He lost. He's a challenger. It's an open primary. He's on the same level as DeSantis or Burnham. He's a challenger. It's an open primary. There's no incumbent. There's no such thing as an open primary with no incumbent where someone says, I'm not going to debate. I've never even heard of it before. This guy does not get, once again, people, he does not get special treatment. He doesn't. He doesn't get to intimidate uh, uh, witnesses. He doesn't get to do that. I couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. If I get gagged, his fucking fat mouth gets gagged. Okay? 
But this is what they believe. They will bitch and moan that he's being picked on. But no, he's getting special treatment. He's getting special treatment in every fucking area of life that most people, including you and I, would not get. You and I would either have a gag order by now or would be in jail with no bail awaiting trial. If we did what he did. So this is bullshit that he's, oh, he's persecuted. He's Jesus Christ on the cross. He's not. He's a fucking spoiled, rich prick who gets special treatment. And like I have said, when he goes to jail, which he will, this time next year, he'll be in jail. Uh, this time, yeah, you're saying, wait a minute, before the election? Yeah, yeah. He'll get convicted between the summer and the fall. He's going to get convicted and go to jail. But the jail he goes to is going to be Club Med, Club Fed, right? It's going to be better, a nicer resort than you or I could ever dream of paying for in Mexico. Trust me on that. He's going to get special treatment that we would not get. And he's getting special treatment now. It's really simple. These primaries are private clubs. I don't agree with Democrats that that means they should be able to rig it for the person they get the hard on for. I don't believe that. But they are private clubs. And they have a right to say things like, if you don't debate, you don't run. If you don't debate, you don't run. You must debate to run. Period. They have every right to say that. And he can bitch and moan. And his cult can bitch and moan. And he could run as independent if he wants. Whatever he wants to do. But they have the right to say, you will not be on that ballot as a Republican if you don't debate. This is our private club. We own it, not you. And they haven't done that. I guarantee you Democrats would. I guarantee it. Especially if it was someone they didn't particularly like. And that's what they should do, the Republicans. They should say, that's it. You don't debate, you're out. But there are too many people who are in the Republican Party who are still afraid of this old fuck who's on the verge of death. You know, these people are on the verge of death. They are. <laughs> Him and Biden are on the verge of death. They may get lucky. They may have that satanic thing about them where they last longer than good people. We see bad people lasting longer than good people all the time. But basically, they're at the end of their life, not the prime of it, right? And people are still afraid of this guy. What are they fucking afraid of? What the fuck are they afraid of? All of his candidates lose. So why would you be afraid of him? If they're going to put someone up against you, the MAGA cult, they, 90% of the time they lose. I would, I would want to run against a MAGA candidate now. They all just lost. Everyone who ran against them won, including fucking retard Fetterman. Come on, give me a break. How are you afraid of this guy and his cult? How did that just work out in 2022? He has no power anymore. What, are they afraid he's going to tweet? He's not even on Twitter anymore. No one even sees his tweets. It's an echo chamber of 2 million people. Who cares about his crazy 2 a.m. all-cap tweets? 
Who cares? But people have no spine. They just have no spine. That's what it comes down to. They have no fucking... You punch this guy's fucking nose down his throat once and he goes away. They're too afraid. They're too afraid. Speaking of uh, people with no spine, you know what? I'm watching TV, um, and it's bad enough. Did I talk about this on the show? Well, there's a couple of things. No, I don't think I talked about this on the show. I did tweet about it. So there's there when you live in California, especially a place like San Francisco, you see ads on TV like PSAs and commercials that make you want to throw a fucking shoe through the television. They make you want to throw a shoe through the television. But then I think Newsom's not going to pay for my new TV, so I don't do that. But we want to do that. So there's a commercial running. There was one I was going to talk about, but this brings up another one. There's a commercial running for San Francisco State University. You remember, that's the university that uh, kidnapped Grimes, right? Or they well, they threatened her. She had to hide the uh, anti-trans, uh, the, the, the female athlete. She's, she was a swimmer, right, Grimes? I saw her in person a couple of months ago, right? And they basically trying to physically assault her when she tried to speak at SF State. So the same place runs commercials trying to get people to come to SF State. It's a it's a promo for PS State, right? Let's so you have a bunch of students, a bunch of young people, and one of them with a f- ugly nose ring. Why do they put those? Why do people, why do young people who are kind of good looking fuck their faces up with all that stuff, with the rings in their nose? Anyway, the kid's got a ring in his nose. And he says, there was once a guy from San Diego talking about himself in the third person for some reason. There was once a guy from San Diego who wanted to change history. Make history and change history. Now, make history is great. We should all want to make history, but change history? So these are the liberals. This is a liberal university saying the silent part out loud. This is what the liberals try to do all the time. How do you change history? You, you can't change history. These are the same people who think a cloth mask prevents microscopic virus particulates from coming through, right? That if you stay two and a half feet away from someone, you're not going to get the COVID. That if you stand up and go to the bathroom, you can get it. But if you sit down and eat, you can. these are the same fucking fucked up anti-science fucking morons with no goddamn common sense who say change history. How do you run an ad with a young person saying, I'm here to change history. History is history. Whether you like it or not, you can't fucking change it. You can change what happens from this point forward, but you can't go in a fucking time machine and change history. Michael J. Fox, you can't do that. These ads run, and these fucking, they run it because the people watching it in the state are fucking idiots. They're like, oh, yeah. Black boy, change history, black boy. Change history, black kid, with the fucking stupid nose ring in your face. They drive me crazy. They drive me fucking insane. I gotta get out of I gotta get out of here. But it gets worse. It's much worse than a kid with a nose ring who wants to somehow change the past. <laughs> How do you change the past? You knock down statues? Does that change the past? When you knock down a statue of the first president of the United States, does that change history? Does that make him not the first president anymore? You fucking imbeciles. <sighs> this is not even the 
this is not even what I was going to talk about. This isn't what's going to get me mad. What really gets me mad is not when a, I shouldn't, you know, this is a young kid who probably doesn't even know better with his nose ring. But then I'm watching and I see an ad for the Vax, for the booster. Has anyone else seen this one? This might be running more than just California. I'm guessing. Did you see the one with uh, the guy from the Eagles, Kelsey? I don't know, the Travis, whatever. There are two Kelsey brothers. There's one who's fat from Kansas City and one who's not fat from who plays on the Eagles. So the one who plays on the Eagles, um, he's doing this ad for Pfizer. You can get your COVID booster 27 and your flu vax at the same time in one needle. And he's doing an ad for Pfizer. This fucking foot NFL player, what is he making? Upwards of what? 75 million a fucking day? Is doing an ad for Pfizer. So here's the fucking NFL rich fucking prick who's doing an ad for Big Pharma. A fucking wealthy athlete prick who just won the fucking Super Bowl, probably got another 20 million fucking bonus for winning one game. Doing an ad for Pfizer. So I tweeted to him. I said, what? You don't make you make you don't make enough money. You got to be a slut for big pharma. You got to be a fucking big pharma whore. Are you do you need the money that much? Seventy five million a year in your bank accounts, not enough. You need 90 million a year. You fucking big pharma slut. This is what is it? Is this running in your area? Because it's running here. And it makes me mad. Yet a good guy like Aaron Rodgers, well, sometimes good things do happen to good people. Djokovic won again, right? But Aaron Rodgers, a good guy, right? Had to fight the fight with the vaccine shit, and he gets hurt now. And this prick just won the Super Bowl, multimillionaire, for playing a football game, and he's doing an ad for Pfizer. When people his age are dying from the shot. When the fucking, I don't give a fuck what they said about the kid in Buffalo. That was the shot. You don't think, you think I'm wrong? Fuck you. That was the shot. That wasn't that, that weird thing they say, well, your heart stops when you're hit at just the right moment and just the right time. The guy's got about 35,000 fucking feet of padding. You got about 35,000 fucking sheets of padding. Where's Bill? Bill's not here right now. We'll talk to Bill about this when he's back on. Don't give me that shit. That it was like that that situation where his his heart was hit at just the right angle, the right bullshit. It was the jab. Okay, so when people in his own business are getting hurt by the vaccine, he's doing ads for booster number three hundred and forty six. Who's fucking Taylor Swift? Kelsey? Oh, Bob. Is it? Is he? He's dating. Is he dating her? Or just fucking her? Does he have a wife on the side? Where is it? No, oh, okay. All right. So he's all right. So he's fucking Taylor Swift. Right. So that God knows how much money. Put his money and her money together, and he's got to do an ad for Big Pharma. He's single. Okay. Oh, it's incredible. It's totally fucking incredible. And Jamie Foxx too. Don't care what they said. The the jab. And yet this guy is doing an ad for Big Pharma. Now, why is he doing the ad? Does Mr. Kelsey really believe in the vaccine? Do you think Mr. Kelsey really cares about the vaccine that much? It, it would be bad enough if he were doing the ad because he thought the vaccine was good. 
That's not why he's doing the ad. He's doing the ad because he's getting paid for it. So it doesn't matter if it doesn't work, which is bad enough. It doesn't matter if it hurts people, which is bad enough. But it's killing people, and he's doing an ad for it because he wants money as though he needs the money. I need the money. I'd have more of a right to do an ad for Big Pharma. I need the money, and I wouldn't do it. This is fucking despicable. Despicable. Yes, Bob, for the money, of course. Of course. There's no doubt about it. Now, I, I, I know why they're using him. Because it's the NFL. <laughs> and many, many, many people who watch football aren't getting the vaccine because they're smart enough to know because they're mostly Republicans, right? So the people who are watching football, the most ardent football fans, especially in middle America, are conservatives. They're not getting booster number 358 because they're smart enough to know better. So they're trying to target them by having a football player do an ad. I understand why the evil fucking cunts at Big Pharma are doing that. But for him to do it, you know, he can go fuck himself. Instead of Taylor Swift, he should fuck himself. Do I make myself clear? But these are the ads I see here. I'm sure this one's running nationwide. But there's so many crazy fucked up ads that run in California. Especially COVID-centric ads that are still running here. They're still running ads here in California. They ran in March of 2020, four years later, nearly. They're still running the same ad as though we are in the same situation we were in four years ago. Same ads, same ads with Asian people saying they're getting hit for wearing masks or not wearing masks. I never saw one Asian, but never heard of really, I don't know one Asian. I know a lot of Asians that live in San Francisco. Not one of them ever got hit or yelled at for wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. How the fuck do you even know if they're wearing a mask, if they're Asian or not? I'm still seeing this stupid fucking ad four years later. Remember, there was this wave of, of anti-Asian violence. Well, it wasn't real. It wasn't real. It was media invented. You know how it wasn't real? Because if something's real, it doesn't go away in two and a half weeks. But for two and a half weeks, that was big. That was really big. They always need something. They always need some kind of victim. They need some kind of victim all the time, the media. It's today, it's Asians. Tomorrow, it's blacks. Then it's gays. Then it's trans. There's always a victim. Then it's the vaccinated, right? They're victims of the unvaccinated. Oh, God. Always a victim. Uh, Bob, what'd you say? You were at UC Irvine last weekend. Saw Asians wearing masks outdoors. Yeah, well, there's a lot of that here, too, in San Francisco. A lot of people wearing masks, and 90% of them, I guess, are Asians. You can't always tell, like I said, but I think they are. They seem to be. When they take them off, they are. You know what a lot of people do also? They wear it like in that – wear it or don't, but the stupid thing where they wear it below their nose or below their mouth or it's hanging down off their – what the fuck is the point of that? And they're always Asians. So, yes – Yes, there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. But being upset at a, uh, a, a culture of people, a certain race, for doing something that is bad or annoys you is not the same as like violently assaulting them. And this whole idea that all of us, there was this huge violent assault thing against it. Asians have been running San Francisco since the beginning of time. I don't understand. So all of a sudden now, what, white and black people hate Asians? 
all of a sudden all of a sudden there's this rash of violence against asians it's like they it's like they moved to the city last week it's not like it was a really white or really black city and all of a sudden asians took over and the whites or blacks got mad it's like they've been running the fucking city forever <laughs> so how do you, if you outnumber other races eight to one how were you persecuted fight back all right fight back then if there's a problem you outnumber everybody because it's all made up that's why it's all fucking made up it's not real this rash of violence against asians was not real it wasn't real it was fake it was fabricated by the legacy media fabricated just like this persecution of the trans people is fabricated just like this gays are still being persecuted like they were in 1948 is fabricated it's not true it's fake it's fake news it's made up it's fucking garbage always has to be a victim always a victim i'm tired of victimhood i really am and like i said victimhood of the left and victimhood of the right with donald trump and trumpers victim he's the victim all the time oh they're the victim maga is such victims trump is such a victim he's that's why i've said i i say it to maga people do you know you have a lot in common with minorities, with blacks and Asians and trans and gays. What are you talking about? Well, you're all victims. You're victims too, aren't you? Who's not a victim? Me? Who's not a victim? Everyone's got to be a victim then. I think I've covered everyone. How about we just buck up? Hmm? How about we just win instead of losing and blaming others? This is all about blaming others for losing, right? Blaming others for losing. I didn't lose because I didn't work hard enough. I didn't lose because I wasn't a step ahead of the other guy. I lost because I'm a victim. I'm a victim. And I think this is part of what Ron DeSantis talks about. It's time to start winning. You can't keep losing elections and claiming you're the victim. Because let's say that were true. Let's say an election happened and it was rigged and you were the victim of evil, nefarious people. Well, then you adjust and you outsmart those people next time, don't you? But you keep losing. So what does that mean? What does that mean? That means you're a fucking loser. They know better than you. They get you before you get them. Why? Because you're a loser. Stop losing. Start winning. They win by doing the ballot harvesting. Then you do it. They win by voting eight years before an election. <laughs> then you do it. It was the, that's like that brings up that line, uh, Sean Connery in The Untouchables, right? What was it when he's talking to Elliot Ness? And he says, they bring their fists, you bring a knife. They bring a knife, you bring a gun. They bring a gun, you bring a whatever, bazooka. That's the Chicago way. That's it, baby. That's the Chicago way. Remember Chicago politics too, right? Tough politics, daily politics. He won all the time. You win. You do what you got to do to win. Or you're a loser. And Trump is a loser. He's a big, fat loser.
Who are you talking about? Who's this now? Gary. Who wants to eat a Michael Mina? I'm trying to follow the chat here, and it's not easy. Mike, you know Michael Mina? Michael Mina um, had this, uh, speaking of Michael Mina, Michael Mina here in San Francisco, I don't know if they still have it. They had this, I can't afford it anymore. They had this lobster pot pie. Anyway, if I have that at Michael Mina, they had a lobster pot pie, which was like, I mean, not like a cheap lobster pot pie, like with like little, little pieces of, I'm talking about lobster pot pie with like a huge lobster tail in it. It was just, it was like, it was like 90 bucks. I swear to God. I think it was 90 or a hundred bucks. But let me tell you, if you ever save up and you want like a special occasion, a lobster pot pie, I don't know if they have it anymore, but they did. And it was like, oh my God. Oh, oh, it was fantastic. It was absolutely fantastic. How did I get to talk about Michael Mina? Oh, Michael, I don't know what you guys are talking about, Michael Mina, but uh, the lobster pot pie was, uh, was, was superb there. Absolutely superb. So yeah, fuck Travis Kelsey. I think that's what I was beginning to talk about. Fuck Travis Kelsey and his big pharma whoring. Also, you know what also bothers me? And this is just a general thing. There was a time when, I know tomorrow night, Friday night's our entertainment night, and I'll have a review tomorrow night. But there was a time when it was regular actors who aren't well-known, like, like, struggling actors or voiceover actors not big actors like like uh donald sutherland who and uh, who's the other one that does all the voiceovers morgan freeman it used to be like voiceover actors who needed that work who would do voiceovers and now that has been totally taken over by these big millionaire actors who don't need that work like donald sutherland didn't need voiceover work right <laughs> morgan freeman didn't need voiceover work right they took over it, even with ads now, with commercials. It used to be commercial actors. Every once in a while, you still see it, right? At commercial actors. You don't really big big celebrities. But now they're getting more and more of these big celebrities, especially athletes. And I love Pat Mahomes. He's a very likable guy, but he's in every goddamn ad. Who was the other one? Shaquille O'Neal, likable, every goddamn ad, right? And it used to be these commercial actors who needed the work, who would get that work. Now they're giving it to big name celebrities and sports figures who don't need the work and don't need the money and therefore take it away from the people who do need it. So there's so many problems. In this. Aren't there so many problems in this country? Like top to bottom, left to right, A to Z, one to 100. There are so many problems here and it all comes down to money. Why do these companies use big time actors and celebrities and sports figures? Because they're more well-known, so more people will buy their product. More people will buy the sneakers. More people buy the cars. More people will get the jab than if Joe Schmo did an ad saying, get your vaccine and flu shot at the same time. When Travis Kelsey says it, look, <laughs> this only works, and it, it does. It only works in a, in a country of morons, right? Who say, oh, oh, Joe Blow is telling me on TV to get the shot. I'm not going to do it. But if Travis Kelsey tells me to get it, oh, if Joe Blow tells me to buy the Acura, I'm not going to do it. But if it's Donald Sutherland, oh, oh, Joe Blow tells me to see this movie. I'm not going to do it. But if Morgan Freeman tells me, it only works 
in a, in a, in a country of idiots, right? I, I don't do it. In fact, it pisses me off. I'm more likely to do the opposite and not buy the product. But it works or they wouldn't do it, right? These corporations would pay Joe Blow $80 to do the ad. <laughs> They're paying Travis Kelsey $17 million to do it because they know it's worth it for them. Or they wouldn't pay that kind of money. So we live in a country of morons. This is the I know this is a common theme on this show, but we do. Whether it's commercials or whether it's ads or whether it's politics, we live in a country of morons that can be fooled by these ads, that can be fooled by commercials, that can be fooled by people like Gavin Newsom. Or these things would not exist. The hair gel king of California would not exist, right? He'd be um, he'd have his escort ad up on rent men. If, if in, in a normal society, right? Not governor of California, right? Travis Kelsey wouldn't be given all this money to do these ads in a country of smart people who weren't fooled because a celebrity is doing the ad, right? But we live in this country where this stuff works. What am I getting at? That I'm tired of living here? I think I am. I think I'm tired of living here. I think I want to go to where the people are smarter, to where it's more affordable, to where you're not wasting your money, to where the food is better with less preservatives, where the healthcare is probably better and cheaper or free. I think that's where I want to go. I think that's where I'm heading. I think I'll be happier there. I think these shows would be less angry if I lived in a place with a better quality of life. Now, I know there are people out there that are saying, come on, Mike. Mike's moving to Russia. <laughs> no, I'm not moving to Russia. <laughs> oh, God. Not to Russia. You know, I thought about going to Russia to visit uh, St. Petersburg and Moscow and being a visitor and seeing all that wonderful architecture. But I don't think I'd move to Russia because I'm not quite sure the Russian people are that much smarter, right? Well, they didn't really elect Putin, I guess. But they haven't done anything to take them out either. So I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I have no idea. I, I, Russia is not the place. I don't think Europe is the place anymore. I think like Central America is more like the place. There are a lot of Americans who have moved to uh, Costa Rica. When I was in Costa Rica as a side, I went to Costa Rica for like a, on a day trip. And we were taken through by a tour guide on a bus. And of course, Mike asked the question, hey, how's the health care here? And they say, well, the healthcare is great here. I said, really? But it's not America. Wait a minute. There's a place that's not America where there are good doctors and nurses? Yeah, he said. The healthcare here is great. I said, well, how much is it? He said, well, it's free for us. And I said, well, what if I um, moved here? What if I moved here? How much would it be for me? He said, oh, yeah, maybe about 80 bucks a month. I said, excuse me? He said, yeah, about 80 US dollars a month, and you will get they allow that. They allow people to buy into their system. The locals, it's free. If you're a foreigner, it's like 80 bucks a month, and it's all medical and dental. What I've noticed is that there's a lot of people, there are a lot of young people, like in Central American countries, like uh, Costa Rica, Colombia, Bolivia, wearing braces. And I remember asking, why is everyone wearing, I, I know young people wear braces everywhere, but it seems as though there are more people, there are more young people in these other countries wearing braces. And it's because it doesn't cost $80 million to get your kid braces. 
in these countries. That's why. So their teeth end up being better, okay, than the teeth of children here. And God forbid, look at the teeth of people in England, right? It's so expensive here, dental care, that a lot of people forego, understand this, a lot of people forego getting their kids braces because they can't afford them. But not in these other countries. Everyone can just get them because it's either lower cost or even free in many places. So I was flabbergasted when he said that under 100 bucks US would get you their entire healthcare system, including dental. So a lot of people are doing this because they're thinking, why am I spending so much money here with such low quality of life? Why? There's no logical reason to do it. Steve, would you, would you say, Greg? Which, there are two are there two Gregs on this thing right now? I think there are. Yes, oh, the other Greg left. The pro-Ukraine Greg left. The, Greg Zelensky left. And he said that Steven Seagal is inviting me to... Is Steven Seagal living in Russia now? Is that true? <laughs> Bob, terrible. Oh, God. That's Andrew. Is that Andrew? Andrew, right? Yeah. No, Bob. Okay, Bob said uh, he's, he's effing Biden. Yeah, well, maybe. But um, quality of life in San Francisco went from 10 to 3 from the 70s to now, Greg. Yeah, 3? Okay, maybe. If it used to be a 10, maybe it's a 3. But I wasn't here when it was a 10. I wasn't here when it was a 10. So I don't know. To me, it went from like uh, 7 to 0. <laughs> six, to, 6 to 1. Let's say a 6 to a 1. That's what that's what it went to for me. I don't. I was not here when it was a was a ten. But to me now, it's about a not a three. It's about a one. That's my feeling. You know, it's uh terrible. Yeah, the seventies and eighties was the the the. I I saw that movie Milk several times, and I'm like, God, it looks fun. And that was about the assassination of two people, <laughs> and it was it's a good time because it looked like a nice place. Okay, it just looked like a more fun place. All right. It looked like a place that was like all about like freedom and expressing yourself. Someone I was talking to at the debate. No, it, it was, I don't know if it was a debate. It was some other time. I was talking to a guy and he said, um, he, uh, uh, this interesting. I might have, I'm going to have this guy on my show soon. This guy was actually a former homeless person. He's a young guy. He's a former homeless person who now really nudges the, he's a thorn in the side of the politicians here. In San Francisco, I'm, I'm the, but I said to him, he talked to me about the 70s and 80s and what San Francisco used to be. And I said, wow, that sounds very libertarian, doesn't it? It sounds like San Francisco used to be kind of uh, libertarian, huh? Live and let live, freedom, do what you want, be who you are. Don't bother me. I don't bother you. That sounds like libertarianism to me. Well, it probably was, but they didn't want to call it that. But now what is it? Oh, what a shithole. San Francisco, as Michael Schellenberger wrote. San Francisco. Yeah, thank you. It was very libertarian, right? More like Berkeley. Sure, Berkeley. Right, right. Berkeley. There's a documentary. It's called Berkeley in the 60s, right? So you see that. You go, wow. 
how libertarian people would gather in people's homes, have parties, talk about politics, disagree. Not everyone. It wasn't like now where all these leftists were drones. They would talk. They would disagree. No one would get canceled. No one would get eliminated because they disagree. No one was called a terrorist for disagreeing. And that's libertarianism. And that's basically gone here now. Gone here now. From Palo Alto to East Palo, Bob. Bob said, good, they should stay in Oakland. Okay, we have a lot of talk going on here. But yeah, it's a, well, a big part of the problem here in San Francisco is that there is no gentrification. I mean, there is no uh, a culture, I should say. It's Asian and white. There's a little bit of Latinos in the mission, which has gone to shit thanks to Hillary Ronan, the, the, the Board of Supervisors member there, and other reasons. But the mission used to be so vibrant and it was Latino and Mexican culture and great Mexican food. Now that's gone to shit. Homeless camps, dirty, disgusting, gross. But um, it, it, there was a, there's no real, there's no real uh, culture here, right? There's no melting pot here. This is not LA. It's not New York. It's very Asian and white. It's white and it's Asian. That's it. It's cock. I like it. Cock Asian. <laughs> it's white and Asian. That's it. So right there, it sucks. There's no culture. There's no, there's, 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 there's no melting pot here. It's very uh, homo homogenized, right? And uh, that's bad. Right there, that's bad. You need a mix of people and cultures. You do. And you need them living together, not separately. I mean, that's generally what makes up a great society. When you have all different cultures living together in harmony and peace, roasting marshmallows and... Uh, uh, telling each other about their own cultures and sharing that stuff. I mean, this is, I'm, I know I'm, I'm, I'm describing like a, a, a world that doesn't exist, but you can't even have that here, right? Wasn't there just a movie recently, The Last Black Man in San Francisco? Well, it's almost totally true. I think the black population is about 3% here, which is, they don't, it's, it's amazing. The mayor's black, right? And she doesn't even talk about that. That's like the thing you can't talk about, right? The thing you can't talk about, why is New York City 25% black? I don't know. L.A. probably doubled, easily double digits, and San Francisco is three. The great liberal, progressive San Francisco has barely any black people. Oh, well, can't be the fault of the progressives, can it? Believe me, if it was run by Republicans, they'd be talking about it. they go, look what the Republicans have done. They've chased all the black people out. But the Democrats run it. Eh, we're crickets. We're not going to talk about that. What are you talking about? I don't know. Nothing to see here. Bob, no, Bob's not in San Francisco, are you? No. What'd you say? There are two black people where you live, Bob? Is that what you just said? No, who, who said that? Greg? Are we talking about African-Americans? What are we talking about? One, was that what it is? one NFL player and one NBA player. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, as long as it's not Kelsey, because that guy I can't deal with anymore. No Travis Kelsey. And I guess that's where I started with all this. This was like a stream of consciousness show. But it, it's, it, it basically comes down to this. We need smarter people here, and we don't have it. They're fooled by politicians. They're fooled by ads. They're fooled by celebrities. They're fooled by fool's gold. They are. And until this stuff changes here, 
this country is in danger, in, 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 in severe danger. It really is. In, in real danger. Well, I'm going to do, let me see, there's something else I wanted to talk about. Remember, tomorrow night's Friday night, so we're going to have a, a film review at the end. I'm going to keep it a secret, so you have to tune in. You have to tune in. If you're going out, come back early, 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern, uh, and you can listen to the show and, and the film review at the end of the show. But um, just thinking again to wrap it up, if no one wants to, if, if anyone wants to call in and talk about everything I've, I've spoken about or anything else, fine. But uh, I do believe that Ron did a great job yesterday. It, once again, it was a very poorly run debate. It was haphazard. It was not, the format was bad. The three moderators were awful, especially the two women. They were terrible. But I think Ron really stuck out. I mean, I thought it was just a, a, as the best performance you can have when there are seven people on that stage, right? The best performance you can have and stick out as much as you can in a positive way with seven people on that stage. So... Anyone with any brains and common sense who's not a cult leader, a cult lover, a part of a cult in the Republican Party um, can see how great he is. And also, oh, this 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 makes me I'll end on this because this is just funny. This is hilarious. So DeSantis, speaking of DeSantis, he says that Florida is at a 50 year low in crime, right? 50 year low in crime. Well, it's generally true. There are some. You know, you could come up with some gray area with that statement. But the bottom line is crime is very low and you're much safer in Florida than New York or New Jersey or California. There's zero doubt about that. But the the nervous Nelly, Chris Hayes, you know, nervous Nelly, Chris Hayes on MSNBC, the nervous Nelly, nervous Chris, always very nervous, talks very fast. Talks very, the reason why he has that job, I have no idea. He's got a face and a voice for print, which is where he used to be and should be again. Um, but um, they love him at MSNBC because he's a young, fast-talking, nervous progressive, and he's all over DeSantis. He says, "Oh, this is we have the we have the Marshall Project, project is showing that when DeSantis repeats that, it's always a lie." And I wrote, "You know, I'm sure you're right on it, Nervous Nelly, when Newsom constantly lies about his California record, like his great success." over Florida with COVID. I'm sure you talk about those nuances like age-adjusted outcomes or the economic devastation of the mandates. I'm sure you correct him all the time. Of course, they never do. They never do. If if, if, if Newsom says we did the best on COVID, they never look into it. They never adjust it. They never talk about the nuances. They never say, well, not really. Here's why. But DeSantis says they have a 50-year low in, in crime in Florida, and they're all over it. That is not 100% true. There's some gray area there. These people are so despicable. They're so despicable, the mainstream media. I like to, oh, you know what I want to do with them. I can't say it. Well, I can say it, but I won't. But they're despicable, low-life individuals. All right, you guys are having a, a fun conversation there in the chat. You really are. But I'm going to end your conversation because I'm going to end the show. But I want to remind everyone that I'll be right back here tomorrow night, the big Friday night show. Uh, you've been, Mike is tired tonight. I'm not tired. 
I'm not. I'm drinking an energy drink. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm hyped up on, on, on caffeine. I'm not tired. <laughs> I'm not tired at all. All right. What's the name of the show? It's in Let's Be Heard. And I'll be back with you uh, tomorrow night, okay? But until then, this is a not at all tired Micah Chopoli <laughs> reminding you <laughs> that your influence counts. Use it. <laughs>